It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study we're glad you're a part of it tonight this is the virtual bible study for august 20th 2009 we're live on your computer tonight and we're glad that we are and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com those contact numbers and email are scrolling across your screen if you're watching us from Ustream.tv tonight. And if you are at Ustream.tv tonight, we would encourage you to go into the chat room where you can chat with other listeners on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is preaching tonight near Athens, Alabama. And in his absence, Phil Hunt is sitting in his seat tonight. Phil, welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. been a while since you've been here, but we're glad to have you tonight. Well, thank you, Jacob. I'm very glad to be here. It's, can't really fill your dad's seat, but, you know, I'll do the best I can. Well, I'm sure you can do a, a good job, and uh, we're glad to have you here. Last week in the chat room, our listeners were chatting about the subject we were discussing, but we also had a discussion, a uh, sidebar discussion going on about the Old Testament and William from Washington State was in the chat room last week, and he was uh, raising some issues about the Old Testament law. And during the program, we invited William to come and be a part of the program this week, and we appreciate William for being willing to do that. William is on the line now. William, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, good evening. We, As I said, we appreciate you being here tonight to help us understand your position a little bit better and now william you maybe could give us some background you are you would refer to yourself as a converted jew others might be more familiar with the term messianic jew that is correct okay and as such uh, uh, give us just a, a quick one minute overview of your understanding of the scriptures in particular uh the old testament uh, as you feel it should uh be in a person's life today well the in our position uh, at Mishpache Elohim is the old law and commandments are still in effect. And when you read Matthew 5.17, uh, Christ did not come back to abolish the law, but he came back to fulfill the law, and we should honor the law and the commandments through all generations. And that's a quick summation of it. Okay. Um, now, as such, you believe that everything in the Old Testament is still binding today with one exception? Uh, that is correct, with the exception of the animal sacrifices. Okay. Um, so, as, as now, do you refer to yourself as a Christian, or do you refer to yourself as a Jew? I refer to myself as a Christian. Okay. Um as a Christian today, then, uh, that would mean that we should still be practicing the law, every law, uh, with the exception of the sacrifices, including the law of circumcision, correct? That is correct. Okay. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Paul's discussion in Galatians with the Christians there who were 
still binding circumcision in the New Testament times, and he condemns them for that. How do you ju- co- correspond that idea that we should still be practicing circumcision with Paul's condemnation of binding that for Christians today? Uh, are you familiar with the term grafting in? Uh, with, uh, with the Gentiles being grafted in? Yes. Okay, yes. Um, at birth, a common practice uh, in American and European hospitals is to go ahead and commit circumcision at birth so people can be grafted in if, because of the, cir- the act of circumcision at birth. Uh, and later, uh, once you accept Christ as your Savior and you are baptized, uh, you once you're grafted in, you fall not under the law, but you have to um, fulfill the law to the best of your ability. For example, you don't eat pork, um, you don't work on the Sabbath, and you do practice um, your your faith and uh, traditions on the Sabbath. But specifically with respect to the circumcision, let's say that uh, someone uh, wants to be a faithful Christian today, you believe that that person would have to be circumcised? Yes. Now, that that seems to be in direct contradiction with what Paul wrote in Galatians to them about uh, circumcision. For for example, in Galatians chapter five verse four, uh, respect to circumcision, uh, he says in verse four of chapter five, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. In verse 2, to set the context, he's speaking about circumcision where he says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So Paul says there, if we are binding circumcision and saying that it is required in order to be pleasing to God, then that is in direct contradiction with uh, the salvation that's offered through Christ. Well, there, there's also more than one form of circumcision. Uh, when, when you have, have cut a, a sin out of your life, you have circumcised that sin as well. So, how, how do you want to? Let me, let me pull that up. Uh, that was Galatians. Yeah, Galatians chapter five. Uh, the whole, okay. the, the, uh, the whole, the whole context is uh, referring to some of the problems that were. Uh, with people who were binding things out of the Old Testament. Um, and then in chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 there, you'll see that um, uh, they were binding circumcision, and uh, Paul condemns them for that. Okay. Uh, I, I'm learning on this on this subject. I'm willing to listen to anybody's opinion. Yeah. Well, no, uh, so. yeah, that's – we appreciate you for that. Um uh, yeah, Galatians chapter five would be one that uh, we would we would want to talk about and uh, see a, a a potential conflict or a contradiction with with the position that the Old Testament would still be binding in every every form except for the sacrifices. Well, in reality, I'll have to do a, a little research and prayer. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. All right. We'll go on to the, we'll 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 keep on going, and maybe we'll we'll come across uh, some other 
um, verses to discuss as well. If you'd like to talk with William tonight, the number is 877-381-4567, or you can email your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. We'd also encourage you to get into the chat room tonight, and you can uh, discuss uh, this topic with other listeners who are listening tonight. Watch the uh, Follow the instructions on your screen, and uh, you can join in with others in the chat room. Uh, William, you also discussed dietary uh, restrictions, and in an email that you sent to me, um, you uh, you specifically uh, condemn something that's fairly popular in the South, and that'd be catfish. And uh, um, but uh, popularity does not matter. Uh, what matters is what God's word says about it. But uh, you believe that there are still dietary restrictions in effect? Yes. Um, you're familiar with Acts chapter 10, uh, where the Gentiles were being granted entrance into the kingdom, and the visions that had to come to Peter. Um, so that he would know it was acceptable for Gentiles to be uh, taught the gospel and be responsive to the gospel. Uh, yeah. With the vision uh, where the unclean animals are coming down in um, in the sheet, and uh, Peter uh, says that he will not eat anything that's unclean, um, in verse uh, 11, uh, Peter it says, and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, and it had a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, But God hath cleansed that call thou not common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up into heaven. Now, when Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So the vision was to Peter that he should eat the things that were unclean. Uh, was God tempting Peter to do something that was sinful there? I... I... I would not say he was tempting. Um, I, I don't believe Elohim actually tempts people, but I do believe in free will. Uh, some someone could could eat anything they want, and they could claim, you know, that it's clean. They they could go wash it off and say, "Well, now it's clean." Um, the entire passage. Uh, that that you're referring to, where speak, where Peter was speaking, it it doesn't necessarily um, have to do with with just food being you know whatever animals out there you know go ahead and eat it. Um, we're we're not supposed to eat unclean food, even though we we think it tastes good. Uh, you know. People say bacon tastes good, and just because it tastes good doesn't mean you have to eat it. And just because you're tempted by the smell of it, you still are obligated under the law to turn it down. If if you see an attractive female out there and she comes on to you, just because you're tempted by her perfume and her beauty and her personality or whatever, we are obligated not to commit adultery. Yeah, we absolutely agree with that. And uh, I guess w- the, the question that we come back to is that Peter is given a directive here 
in this vision to rise, kill, and eat these animals that were uh, what what Peter had always grown up regarding as unclean. Uh, now, they were an image to indicate that the Gentiles would be accepted, that the Gentiles could uh, be right before God, could be one uh, with the Jews before God. Um, but in making that illustration and creating that parallel, we actually we do have this directive to rise, kill, and eat this uh, this unclean food. Uh, so I'm, I'm I, sorry. Uh, there's there's some kind of feedback going on here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, go ahead, Phil. Okay. Yeah, I'll just repeat some of that question. Sorry about the uh, the interference there. Um, we completely agree that uh, just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you should accept it. Uh, we don't dispute that at all. I, I guess what we're coming back to is that Peter was directed, even though this was an analogy about the Gentiles, he was still directed to rise, kill, and and eat this food. Uh, I guess this is just uh, w- one example that you know discusses in the New Testament about um, food no longer being clean or unclean under uh, the standards set by the law of Moses. William, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll discuss with you. Appreciate uh, William being uh, on the program with us tonight. We're talking about the Old Testament law. Is it binding or is it not? Uh, what is our relationship to the Old Testament? We'll talk about this some more on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're glad you're a part of it tonight. We look forward to having you be a part of the program with your questions or your comments via email or via uh, phone tonight or via the chat room. You can comment either of those ways. We're talking with William in Washington State. William, I guess you're in the suburbs of Seattle. Uh, pardon me. I I am just north of Portland. Just north of Portland. Okay. So uh, uh, we're we're very thankful that William is with us tonight. We're talking about the Old Testament law and whether it's binding or not. We were talking about the eating of meat. And uh, Phil, you had a passage that we've talked about earlier before the program that you um, like when we're talking about this subject. Colossians chapter two. Well, Colossians chapter two actually is a good good passage to look at when we're discussing this question of uh, the law of Moses and its relationship uh, to us today. And in Colossians chapter 2, I'll read a few verses here beginning at verse uh, 16. And uh, William, we'd like to, uh, kinda, we would like to read this for you and kind of let you think about it and let us know what your thoughts are on the, on the passage. It says, I'm begin- always willing to learn. Yeah, we are too. And, that's, and so yeah. we, we appreciate that, that, that attitude. That's, uh, uh, that's the attitude we've got to have when we come to the scriptures is that uh, we've got to look to them. I mean, none of us... Uh, uh, we don't claim a perfect understanding, and you know, I, I assume you would not either. So we, 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 we've got to study and continue to learn. So appreciate that, that attitude. Go ahead, Phil. 
Okay, well, I'll begin reading in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, where it says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and it goes on. So I guess we'll want to focus on verses 16 and 17 where there are several things here, uh, food, drink, festival, uh, new moon, the Sabbath, that are shadows of things that would come, but the substance belonging to Christ. So we'll kind of turn over to, over to you, William, and, and see if you would like to offer any thoughts on that. Well, in Isaiah 66, uh, 22, 23, right around in there, I, just, I don't have a Bible in front of me. If you don't mind... Uh, read that. Sure thing. Uh, Isaiah chapter 66, beginning in verse 22, uh, verses 22 and 23, read, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. It, it specifically talks about the Sabbath, and we we can refer to... John, Paul, Peter, uh, and when when it comes right down to when do we worship, what laws do we keep, it, it goes, goes right back to Matthew 5, 17. I'm sorry, did you say and, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17? Yes, sir. Okay, sorry, you, you just cut out a little bit there and I wanted to check. Yeah, it, there, there's a slight feedback on the phone right now. Yeah, well, I've got we've got a caller that we want to bring in quickly, uh, and uh, maybe we can resolve the feedback issue. Steve in Kentucky is on the phone tonight. Steve, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, hi, Jacob. Uh, glad to talk to you. Good to hear. Uh, good to hear from you. It's an interesting uh, discussion that you have. I'm glad that William called in with these things. Um, I wanted to bring up the passage, Acts 15, a historical account of what happened. And the subject here is conversion of Gentiles. I read that in verse 3 of Acts 15, that Paul and Barnabas uh, passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. But uh, when, they come to, when they came to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. So the subject is things that God had done with them among the Gentiles. Now verse, five, verse 5 says, some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So here we see that there were those in the first century church among the Jews who believed, who said that the Gentiles must be circumcised and they must keep the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders came together to consider this there at Jerusalem. Well, it says that in verse 7 that Peter rose up and said, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And, of course, that refers back to Acts, the 10th chapter that you mentioned earlier, the story of the conversion of Cornelius. But he said, So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. But then he added, now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Now with this, 
Peter says that in saying that they must be circumcised and keep the commands of the law of Moses, you're putting a yoke on the neck of them which no one was ever able to bear. No one was ever able to be justified by that law because to be justified by it, one would have to never disobey it in any respect. And so he said, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Well, there was more discussion there in Acts 15. There was more to be said about it. But uh, the, the, the conclusion was that no, all Gentiles who obey the gospel must be told that they're not bound by the law of Moses. William, were you able to hear those comments? Yes, I was. Well, uh, do you have do you have any um, any thoughts about what Steve has presented there from Acts chapter fifteen? I I appreciate uh, more more learning and more research and more cross referencing because it's our duty to continue to research and seek the truth. Okay, great, Steve. Do you have any other comments? Uh, no, I guess I'll let let it go with that. Thank you for calling in tonight. Sure thing. Good to hear from you. All right, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can join in the discussion tonight. Uh, if you'd like to uh, be a part of the discussion, we have a few more minutes with uh, William. He's got uh, up until the bottom of the hour, so just a few more minutes. If you'd like to talk with William, uh, we would uh, encourage you to give us a call. Another passage, uh, William, that uh, we might look at is First Timothy chapter 4 in the discussion of uh, the eating of meats. First um, Timothy chapter 4. Uh, verses 3 and 4. Um, I'm sorry, I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at second, 1 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, uh, talking about um, the people who would come in the latter days and they would forbid to eat meats in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, uh, that they would forbid to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. So again, the uh, the idea there is that it uh, contrasts the Old Testament where uh, they were forbidden to receive certain meats, and now this says that every meat is uh, is acceptable. Phil uh, could be well, eaten if with thanksgiving. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, William. Um, my question would be if the Bible is contradicting itself as. From what you just said, the New Testament is contradicting the Old Testament. Why don't we just rip the Bible in half and throw out the Old Testament? And that includes the Ten Commandments, if we're all living by grace, and we're all living by faith, and we we have no laws, because without laws, there is no sin. Without sin, there is no death. Without death, there is no resurrection. Right, right. Uh, no, we believe there are still laws today that are binding. The Old Testament laws, we believe, are not binding. Um, uh, what, the Ten Commandments are, are no longer binding? Not as the Ten Commandments. Nine, uh, I guess I count up about nine uh, of the ten. Nine of the Ten Commandments are, are, are worthy of keeping. There, there's one of the Ten Commandments that's not. Well, it's not so much a matter of lost here. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand your confusion. Uh, They're not. We believe that the the concepts of the Ten Commandments are still in effect today, with the exception of the concept of the Sabbath. We believe that, uh, for instance, murder is still forbidden today because it is. We're told 
under the law of Christ that uh, we should not be murdering. We believe idolatry is still con- condemned okay. today. How, how, how does this sound? Uh, I, I'll, I will keep the commandment of the Sabbath, but, okay, if, if you want to do away with the Sabbath, then I'll, I'll do away with, let's say, coveting. You know, I'll, I'll covet my neighbor's Mercedes, or yeah. I will desire, desire that person. You know, that's, that's one I'd like to do away with. So if we're going to do away with one, why don't we do away with all of them? Well, we, don't, we agree. Well, we would agree if it's just up to us which ones we would – it's not well, up to us. You, well, you all have decided you're going to do away with the Sabbath, correct? We, well, I didn't decide that. I get it from passages like Colossians chapter 2, and um, this is another one that um, – I'm sorry, go ahead. Caesar declared Sunday to be the day of worship. He did not declare it to be the Sabbath. What year do you believe he did that? I – don't remember off the top of my head. Well, we, we, uh, we, we in, in Genesis, God clearly established the Sabbath in Genesis, and He said it would be forever. So, when did man uh, get granted the authority to change what day the true Sabbath is on? What I, I'm not familiar with Him establishing the Sabbath day in the Book of Genesis on the first day. What no, did, you're, you're what not going to. on the first day? You're what not going to hear us teach that the first day is now our Sabbath. I mean, what, I, you're, I, you're claiming you're claiming that Sunday is the Sabbath, correct? No, no we're not. No, the we're Sabbath not. is still the seventh day. It, we just okay, don't. But, we just don't. Why don't we go back to Isaiah sixty-six twenty-three? Did does does the Bible? Do the scriptures command us to gather and worship on the Sabbath? Isaiah, cha- Isaiah is a book with figurative language. Matthew five, Matthew five seventeen. Did he come away? Did he come to fulfill the law, or did he come to do away with the law? Let's talk about that, um, William. Because I think I think in, this is a pivot. Israel, even today, they celebrate and worship on the Sabbath. Right. Let's talk about uh, Matthew chapter 5, because I think it is a a very important uh, passage in this discussion. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that you reference, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. You would would say that Jesus came and he did fulfill, he was successful in fulfilling the law, correct? He has not completely fulfilled what he came back to do, because he has not returned. So therefore, his his completed mission is not complete. Well, he said that he, he, he has he has not completed all his promises because he has not returned as of today. Well, it but he said that he came to fulfill the law. So either he did what he said he was going to do, or he didn't. And I, he also said that he would re, would return. That's yes that, or no. Yes, he did, but I would say that when he came to earth, he did what he said he would do, and that would be to fulfill the law. And he also said that he would return. Yes, he did. Understand that this passage... And until that act of final judgment is fulfilled, the laws are not done away with. I understand that in this text, this, uh, this question about fulfilling, 
is referring back to the law and the prophets. Uh, Jesus has absolutely made the promise that he will return, uh, but that Matthew promise 5, is not 18, part of this deal covenant. Un- until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished, which includes final judgment. Um, well, that, I, I, I disagree with the interpretation of that passage. I, uh, okay. will, will he, we've kept... and, and, and we we respectfully disagree on a few things. Yeah, and and I'd like to I'd like to, we'll, we you and I can have some more discussions hopefully in in some emails yeah. in the in the in the coming f- in few days and appreciate uh, you being on the program tonight. I think we've kept you as long as you had allotted for our discussion tonight. But uh, you uh, uh, are we really appreciate you being a part of the program tonight, Will. I, I appreciate it, and I'm, I've got a lot of homework to do, and I do appreciate you all's opinion. It it, it gives me strength and to carry on and continue to worship and praise in his name. Well, thank you for being a part of the program tonight, William. You too. All right. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, we'd like to hear from you. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Maybe you have some thoughts about what you heard in the discussion with William Maybe you agreed with William on some of the things he was saying, or maybe you uh, disagreed. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Give us a call right now. You can join in on the program when we get back or send us your emails. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're glad you're part of it. We want to say again, thank you to William. We appreciate his being willing to come on the program. We appreciate his attitude and uh, the cordial nature which he discussed our differences with us. And we believe that if the scriptures are studied, uh, then uh, then it is a beneficial uh, discussion. And uh, if we do it in a loving manner, and I believe we did. Have a, a loving discussion tonight. We appreciate William for being a part of the program. We have rearranged the studio a little bit, and Anthony Petrochko has slid in between uh, Phil and I tonight. And Anthony was listening on the sidelines during our discussion with William. And um, I think you were taking some notes, uh, Anthony, or had some some thoughts. And so we'll get some of those thoughts from you. We appreciate you being here tonight. Thanks for having me on. It's a it's a good study, and I, I really I do also just want to add my appreciation if William's still listening. Uh, to his demeanor and his willingness to uh, to listen to what we had to say. Well, that's that's right, and uh, and when uh, and I just appreciate that he said I, I need to study on some of those things because you know there he he brought up a passage I need to, I want to look at some more and uh, and uh, he I think had some passage he wanted to look at some more so uh, a good discussion. Tonight. I think it was a very beneficial discussion. Yeah. All right, but uh, Phil there, uh, and and Anthony, there are some 
some passages we believe teach very clearly that the Old Testament law had a purpose, and it it fulfilled that purpose, and then it has been done away. And if we had more time with William, it would have been good to to, uh, discuss these with him. But since he's gone, we'll discuss them now. And we'd like to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions? at collegeview.com or join in the chat room tonight. The chat room is silent. Anthony, you're usually at home stirring up the chat room, and uh, tonight nobody is. Stirring up trouble. Yeah, that's too bad. (laughs) All right. Uh, Romans chapter 7, Phil, is one that you've alluded to as being a passage that shows that the Old Testament cannot be binding today. If it did, if it is binding today, it is the equivalent of spiritual adultery. Uh, is the language that is used there in Romans chapter 7. It, it is, and uh, one of the observations that William made is that uh, the New Testament would be would appear to be contradictory with the Old Testament. And, and the fact is, is that if we were under both covenants at one time, yes, they absolutely would be. Uh, but I think as we're going to see in Romans 7, there was a period for which uh, there was a group of people, the Jews, that were under the law of Moses. But today, if we were to be under that law as well as under the law of Christ, we would be committing, uh, in effect, spiritual adultery, as this text will point out. In Romans 7, beginning in verse 1, we read, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? Thus, a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Now, here in verse 4, beginning, he makes this application to the Old Covenant versus the New. He says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, that is Jesus, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life in the Spirit. And I think, Jacob, you can comment some more on this, or Anthony. I think this passage does point out to us that we can't be under both covenants at the same time. If if both covenants were in effect, we would have a contradiction. We would have issues. But we can't be under both, and the covenant that we should be under now is the law of Christ. If we're under the Old Testament law, Anthony, we can't be under Christ. If we're under Christ, we can't be under the Old Testament law. That's what the passage is telling us there. Right, and that, you know, we just, uh, you brought up Galatians 5, too, and it's the same kind of idea there. Uh, it says, if, if you be circumcised and Christ profits you nothing, it's basically saying, you know, you've got to pick one or the other. Um You've got the old law or the new law, and you can't do you, know, you can't do both. It doesn't make sense. But yeah, it you says can't even exact... be justified by the old law anyway. So you wouldn't want to, right. right? But it says there. I mean, in explicit language, you cannot do both. Behold, I say, Paul, I say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again that every man that is circumcised is a debtor to the whole law, and that'd be including the sacrifices. That's part of the law. You're debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And let's slide back in Galatians to chapter 3, uh, Anthony, a passage that we're familiar with where it tells us the purpose of the Old Testament law. And, uh, and William said if we're not under the Old Testament law, we ought to rip our Bibles in half. That, we don't believe that's the case. We believe the Old Testament is very valuable to us as Christians because it, it, it brings us to Christ. It gives us the background and understanding that we need to understand our relationship to Christ today. And Galatians chapter 3, um, in beginning in verse 
23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should be afterwards revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And so, Anthony, we see that the purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ, but after Christ came, we're no longer under the Old Testament law today. Exactly right. It's pretty hard to get around that fact that this this particular passage, the, the whole purpose of the law could be said, you know, was to point towards Christ or to lead up to Christ. And, um, it, and it says there, like I said in verse 25, after faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. So um, now, you know, as William made the point about getting rid of the Old Testament and you know, we're not saying that. Obviously, there's plenty of things that we can learn. We can learn about the nature of God. Uh, sure. We see wonderful examples of both uh, righteous, faithful people in the Old Testament as well as very sinful and wicked people that we can learn from. So in that sense, in a way, I don't think that's that's the exact context in verse 25, but in that sense, it is a schoolmaster even today that teaches us things about God. And I think some people don't look at the Old Testament or the writings from Genesis to Malachi the way that we should. You know, it's interesting that there's like 8,000 verses in the New Testament. There's 23,000 verses in the Old Testament. uh, 74% of our text here is from Genesis to Malachi. And and it's really disturbing how little of it is actually read by a lot of people. You stayed up late last night counting those, didn't you? I did my homework. (laughs) Yeah, one by one. No, No, but it's it's extremely valuable to us. It helps us to understand the nature of God. It helps us understand the way that he deals with his people and that when he gives commands, we better be following those commands. We are still uh, responsible for God's commands today. But we understand that there's a different testament, a different uh, dispensation that we live under today. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Phil, I interrupted you in mid-thought there. No, I think I'm okay, actually. Okay, actually, I derailed your thought. Well, (laughs) uh, Anthony, any other passages that came to mind as you were uh, listening to the discussion tonight on the Old Testament and and its relationship to us today? Oh, I really think, um, you know, I, th- I think the whole discussion uh, of the circumcision that we talked about and how, um, you know, William was was very forthright in saying that, yes, he believed the circumcision was something that we would need to still follow today, though, you know, in Galatians, uh, we see that that was, you know, directly, directly opposed to what Paul was teaching them. Um, I, I think that's a telling, uh, you know, a telling point there in that whole discussion. Uh- Phil, what about uh, Colossians chapter 2 as we get over into the Sabbath? And we'll we'll continue the discussion of the Sabbath perhaps on the other side of the break. But uh, Colossians chapter 2 speaks directly to uh, those who would be binding elements and figments out of the Old Testament law today. Galatians, or Colossians chapter 2 says, don't let them judge you based upon the uh, commands and the precepts of the Old Testament. Yeah, and we can definitely discuss this at uh, any point that you'd like. We, we brought up Colossians 2 earlier, and there, there were several items here. There was food, there was drink, there were festivals, new moons, and Sabbaths. And Paul is saying, don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone pass judgment on you on the basis of the foods that you eat, uh, the things that you drink, uh, the Sabbath day. That these things, these restrictions, uh, the dietary restrictions, the observance of the Sabbath, the old law in general, was a shadow of the things that would come. It's interesting, if, if you ever made the little shadow puppets with your hand, you, you put the projector up or some other light source, and you, you put your hand up and you make the little uh, shadow puppet 
All you're seeing is the shadow of the real thing. You don't understand the detail of your hand. You don't, you don't see the real thing. That's the analogy that's made about the old covenant and the new. The old covenant was there to give us a shadow of things that would ultimately come. Even as far back as Genesis 3.15, God made the promise that there would be a Savior. And you see the law of Moses, we learn so much about God, and ultimately we see the figure, we see the real thing, the substance in Christ. We, that's what we have now. And now that we have the substance, we don't have to rely, and we can't rely on a shadow. We have the real thing now, and that's what we need to follow. All right. We have an email from Patrick in Iowa tonight. He's listening out in uh, Iowa. We appreciate you being out there, Pat. He references Hebrews chapter 9. He says, doesn't Hebrews chapter 9 answer the closing of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament in a way that most people understand? I think perhaps he's referencing uh, maybe perhaps uh, verses 16 and 17 of Hebrews chapter 9 for where a testament is. There must also of necessity be the death of a testator, for a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength while at all while the testator liveth. Wherefore, neither the first testament, being the Old Testament, uh, was dedicated without blood. And it talks about Moses uh, doing that. And then it talks about uh, the fact that Christ then would be uh, the figure of that in the New Testament. It talks about two testaments there, uh, showing us that uh, there's a change and that God is dealing with us differently today than he is under the previous First Testament. If there's a First Testament, there's a second one that he's referring sure. to here, and, and we're under that today. A Second Testament does not imply a continuation of the First. It implies that there is a separate Testament. There is a separate will executed there. And, and that will, that a Testament, came into effect at the death of the testator, in that case, Jesus. Uh, Jesus uh, nailed the old law to the cross, Um Honestly, for whatever reason, I'm not remembering that particular passage right off. Maybe y'all can help me with that. That'd be Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's right. I need to back up a few verses. Yeah, exactly right. When when Jesus died, the old law, in effect, died with him. Uh, It was no longer in effect. There's a new era um, ushered in by the death and the resurrection of Christ. You wanted to talk about Ephesians chapter 2. We're up against a break. When we get back from the other side of the break, we'll talk about Ephesians 2. And then I think it's worthwhile for us to talk about the Sabbath today. today. Is it still binding? We believe it's not. Uh, What does the Bible teach about that? What was the purpose of the Sabbath day in the Old Testament? When did it come into effect? And uh, what can we learn about the Sabbath day Uh, as it relates to us today. We'll talk about that, and we'll take your questions or comments on the other side of the break. The phone line is open. We'd like for you to jump on, 877-381-4567, or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View's Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. 
So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Brian in Plainfield, Indiana, sent in this email during our discussion with William. He came into the discussion late, he says, but he does have a couple questions if they've not been asked yet. If William believes that we should keep the Sabbath, does he also believe we should offer burnt offerings? No, he doesn't. He said at the beginning of the program, uh, Brian, that he believes that we should keep the entire Old Testament law with the exception of the burnt offerings and sacrifices. He says, what about not going out of your place? And uh, as he references Exodus 16, verse 29, on the Sabbath. Uh, Don't know about that one, Brian, but I believe William, as we talked before the program, William is very consistent in his beliefs, um, even with the the manner of dress, and, uh, and he believes he needs to keep his head covered all the time and um, and things like that. So uh, we don't know exactly where he stands on that. Appreciate your email, Brian. Brad in Athens, Alabama has called the Virtual Bible Study. Brad, welcome to the program. Hey there. Just uh, had uh, about three points to make here, given a few things that uh, William had said, and also on the heels of what you guys were just talking about. To add to what you were mentioning about the, the new versus the Old Testament in Hebrews chapter 9, Uh, Immediately before that, the last verse of Hebrews chapter 8, in that he says, A new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete is growing and growing old is ready to vanish away. So uh, just uh, re-emphasizing that point that uh, Phil made, that when you have a new covenant or a new testament to come along, it takes the first one out of the way. Okay. Uh, Let me uh, also comment on something that William brought up a couple of times. Um, and by the way, William, if you're if you're still listening, uh, I totally understand uh, what you're going through there. If somebody had come along and, and said to me something along the lines of, uh, you know, um, uh, well, you know, I, I just don't think that uh, adultery applies anymore. I would I would think, well, where do you get off thinking that you can just pick and choose on, uh, on which commandments we're going to uh, abide by? And uh, if you'll stick with us, I think we'll make it clear that. Um, it's, this is not, we're not just being capricious here. I mean, uh, if somebody could prove to me that we ought to keep the Sabbath today, uh, I would do it. This, this is not because I don't want to keep the Sabbath or because uh, for some reason I, it, it just doesn't uh, suit me. Uh, I, just as I read the Old Testament, I, I see the Sabbath as part of that old covenant that was done away with. So you're not, uh, just, you're, you're not just making up the rules. You believe that you have authority for your practices. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And uh, the, the, I could probably list at least two or three commandments that, uh, if it were all up to me, uh, that, they, you know, that those would not be things that I would that I would do. If, if it were simply up to me uh, choosing what pleases me, I, I might say, well, yeah, I think I could do without this. Oh, yeah, right. Um, but uh, William brought up Isaiah 66 mm-hmm. a couple of times. Yes. Let's back up to verse 21. Okay. And I will also take some of them, I'm reading from the New King James, by the way, I will also take some of them for priests and Levites, says the Lord, for as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come and worship before me, says the Lord. 
Okay. Now, William was bringing this up to say, well, here, here what Isaiah is talking about is, is clearly talking about something in the church, something in the Messianic kingdom. And if, if God mentions the Sabbath, then clearly we need to be worshiping on the Sabbath and continuing to abide uh, by the commandment uh, about the Sabbath. Well, if, if that's the case, then verse 21, number one, verse 21 uh, means that we should still have a, a separate priesthood, uh, a, a, a sacerdotal priesthood, if I can throw in one of those 50-cent words, and a set of, of Levites that are, are set apart to do the ministering, to uh, basically serving as essential mediators between uh, the the rest of the church or the rest of the uh, of God's servants and, and God Himself. Yeah, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, um, which, which the New Testament makes makes uh, very clear. Otherwise, if it was, Christ couldn't be our priest because he's of the tribe of, tribe of Judah, and this sure. is referencing the Levites here in verse twenty-one. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too that you know, there's more than just the Sabbath mentioned in verse twenty-three. There's also the new moon. Now, the new moon. I mean, that's, that's not just thrown in there as a as a measure of timekeeping. The new moon was significant in the law of Moses because they offered uh, certain sacrifices uh, on on the new moon. So along with these priests and Levites, if Isaiah 66 means that we need to continue to abide by the Sabbath, then we also need to continue to offer sacrifices on the new moon. So uh, what we have here in Isaiah is, is either... Either um, Isaiah is being figurative, um, or, or you know, it, it, he's giving us authority to do these things, to have priests and Levites and uh, new moon and, and, and Sabbath and, and that kind of thing. And I think the answer to your question about whether or not he's being figurative can be answered in verse 24. Uh, after he talks about the Sabbath, he says, And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Right, um, right. I've not seen that in the church today. I've never seen uh, the carcasses of men that have transgressed and their worm. Uh, that There's some figurative language here that uh, Isaiah, or, uh, Isaiah is using here. Right, yeah, exactly. So I, I bring all that up to say that... Um, Isaiah 66 is, because it, it is apparently figurative, cannot be leaned on as proof that we must continue to abide by the Sabbath today. Okay. Now, another thing that, that William brought up uh, more than once was Matthew 5. Now, in Matthew 5, Jesus says that none of these things shall... Well, number one, he says, I haven't come to abolish, but to fulfill. And he says, none of these things shall pass away till all is fulfilled. Now, the way, I think the best illustration to talk about this is, is with a contract today. Let's say that I have, uh, well, let's say that Jacob and I have a contract, and I'm going to do some work for Jacob under that contract. Do I have and, to pay you? What's that? Do I have to pay you? Oh, well, that, that's part of the contract. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Most important part. But, uh, let, so let's say that I have, I have so many tasks that I have to complete within the next six months. If I do not complete those tasks, then I have broken the contract. That, that would be abolishing the contract, as it were. And so in, if, if that were the case, then Jacob would not be obligated to pay me because I did not fulfill my, my end of the bargain, my part of the contract. But what Jesus says is, I didn't come to abolish, I came to fulfill. Well, 
same kind of thing. If I do, in fact, perform all those tasks in that six months, then Jacob will pay me and the contract comes to an end. Now, does that mean that either one of us has broken the contract or abolished the contract? No. We fulfilled the contract. I performed the work that I agreed that I would perform, and Jacob paid me the money that he agreed that he would pay me. So there's more than one way for a contract, a covenant, a testament to come to an end. And what Jesus did was not abolish it, but he fulfilled it. He basically brought about the termination agreement of the, uh, of the contract. Yeah, but once the contract has been fulfilled, it's no longer binding. Exactly. Uh, if, 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 you had, if I had a contract with you that if you mowed my yard, I'd pay you $20, and right. um, then you mowed my yard and I paid you $20, and then you proceeded to mow my yard again and wanted $20 again, I'd say, no, the contract has been fulfilled, and we're done, right? Right, right, exactly, exactly. And, and so the, the, point, the point that I want to stress here, William, if you're still listening, is the reason why we argue that the Sabbath is not binding today is because there is no mention uh, after the death of Christ of Christians meeting for worship on the Sabbath. There's no command after the death of Christ for Christians to observe the Sabbath as holy and and take a rest and not to perform certain labor, that kind of thing, uh, th- that was only mentioned in the in the old covenant, the the law of Moses. And so, if Christ has taken has fulfilled that that law, then then that contract is complete, as it were, and so there there is no more Sabbath for us to to uh, uh, to keep. And by the way, I've just sort of stated that. Jesus has fulfilled it. I think we have proof of it if we go to Luke 24. Okay. If you look at Luke 24 and in verse 44. All right, Luke 24, verse 44. Go ahead, Brad. Luke 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was... Now, of course, this, this is after his resurrection. He's speaking to his disciples. These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. He's saying there that, look, the Old Testament prophesied that these things would happen. I told you that, that nothing would... I told you that nothing would uh, pass by the wayside until things were fulfilled. And here Jesus is telling us in Luke chapter 24, I have fulfilled them. I have suffered and I have died and I have risen in order to fulfill this old covenant. Right. Yeah. So we believe that he did what he said he was going to do. He said he came to fulfill. Mm -hmm. That means when he came then in the first century, that's when he came to fulfill uh, the Old Testament, and we believe he did do that. And so now it can be passing away, as Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13 tells us. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, Brad. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for your good comments. You took good notes. Uh, <laughs> we try. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're quickly running out of time. Uh, Anthony, you're flipping frantically. Did you have some comments no not really i uh, i appreciate brad for his comments and uh i agree jake with what you were saying right in that passage of matthew 5 jesus himself says that he his purpose for coming he was there he came he was in front of them his purpose for coming at that time was to fulfill the law so this really i do appreciate brad taking us to luke 24 but really you don't even have to go outside of that passage itself really explains itself but uh 
Okay, Phil, you wanted to talk about Ephesians chapter 2. You thought it was pertinent to the discussion, so uh, give us a, a rundown of Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, we have just a few minutes left, and uh, let's spend a little bit of time in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, the, the main point of, that we're going to make here is that if the old law is still in effect, if the law of Moses is still in place, there's still this division between Jew and Gentile and that we cannot be one in Christ before God. Beginning in verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you... Gentiles in the flesh, which, by the way, would be most of us, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the, uh, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And it, it goes on, and we won't read all that, but it's important to remember that the law of Moses was given to the Israelites. It wasn't given to Gentiles. And so long as that law was in effect, Jews and Gentiles could not be one in Christ, could not be one before God. And I think that's an important point to remember as we're thinking about the the role of the Old Covenant. Exactly. Um, What it says there is that we couldn't be in a right relationship with God, and we could not be uh, in God's God's family with the the Jews and the Gentiles together. While that law existed, it had to be abolished. The the law of Moses was basically the defining feature of the Jews. I mean, they had God with them. But they were the only nation that had that law. And so long as that law was in effect, they, they were still separate. They, we, we, being Gentiles, couldn't be one with Jews in Christ so right. long as that law is still in effect. All right. Uh, excellent point there. Well, lots of passages for us to consider. And uh, as uh, William told us, uh, some things to consider as well. We need to study some more, and uh, we hope that William will do as well. We appreciate uh, him for being on the program tonight, Anthony, as you said uh, it was a good discussion, and the, the demeanor of the discussion was uh, remarkable, and um, and we appreciate William for being a part of the program. Right. I mean, we need to take away from his example and, uh, you know, be willing to study things. And we, we may think that we uh, have everything figured out, but we always need to be willing to, to listen to others and to uh, to weigh what they're saying against the Scripture. So appreciate that, and uh, thanks for having me on the show tonight. Thank you for being here, Anthony, and thank you, Phil, for your comments tonight, for being back on the program. Good to have you back. Well, thank you for the invitation. I've All right. It. We appreciate you for being on the program tonight, and we appreciate your participation. We want to thank William again for his discussion. We hope that you benefited from uh, our discussion tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.